Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Our theme for the year is Cultivate, and we're going to focus this entire year. We're digging into this series, but we're really focusing this entire year on really cultivating our culture, really working the ground of our culture. And we started off this series talking about our purpose. And our purpose at Overflow Church is we exist to what? encounter the reality of Jesus, right? And then that first week we talked about the presence, right? Because if you're going to encounter the Lord, then you're going to have to really value his presence. We talked about we value his presence every time we gather and everywhere we go. And then last week we talked about family, right? We talked about family. Why are we family? Because we follow Jesus together. And so those are those are our first two core values we're talking we've we've been talking about and today we're going to root onto this and that's always been here but but a core value that we said you know what we really have locked onto this and the core value is honor, right? And we know this we honor up, we honor down and we honor all around. And so that's our third core value that we're talking about today. We're talking about honor. Now, we've been visiting the Genesis account. We've been talking about creation. We've been talking about the beginning. And, we, and man was created in honor. Did you know that? The man was created in honor. When God created all the things, God spoke the things into existence, right? And then when God created man, he spoke man into existence, but he didn't just speak. He actually created man from the dust, right? So God got his hands dirty. We talked about this. And God created us in what? His image, and his likeness. So when God created us, God, the honorable one, right? The most honorable one, he created us in the context of honor, in his likeness. And we know the Genesis story, right? That God planted man in the garden. I'm just going to kind of go over some of these scriptures that will be on the screen behind me. And you'll also have them in your notes here. But, but, but God placed man, right? He planted man in the garden to tend the garden. That's what we've been talking about. And then we know that, that they were, that him and his wife, right? It wasn't good that man was alone. So God created a woman, right? It wasn't just good for him to be without a wife. It was just not good that he was alone. We talked about that last week. So God created this thing called family. And it says this about Adam and Eve in verse 25. It says, now the man and his wife were naked, but they felt no shame. And I I think that is so critical to the human experience. Because when sin entered the world, so did shame. Did you know that all shame, listen, is connected to sin? All shame, all the things that you're embarrassed about, it's because you have you have diminished yourself. Listen, if you saw yourself the way that God originally created you in his likeness, there would be no room for shame. And so Adam and Eve were naked. <laughs> How many of you can stand in the mirror naked and have no shame? Not me. <laughs> I know it's hard to imagine. Please don't imagine. Genesis 3-7, sorry, can't take away those images. Sorry, didn't, didn't mean to start off that way. So then we know that they sinned. They did the thing that God said they didn't need to do. It's just that one thing that God said. I mean, there was like 99.99999% of the earth that they had access to. God said, I just don't want you to do this one thing. Of course, they did it. They sinned, right? They, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And it says this, that at that moment, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed together fig leaves 
to cover themselves. A temporary covering. I mean, fig leaves. How long is that going to last? A couple hours? Maybe a day? And so God looks at man. He sees that he's covering his sin. So God shows up at the garden like he does every time. And I love it that, God, that they don't sin. And God looks at him and goes, well... I guess they don't want me, so I won't show up. No, no, no. Even in their sin, God said, I'm going to go to the garden and meet with them. So we know the story how God shows up in the garden at the cool of the day where him and Adam had their daily appointment. Every day they would walk around the garden and talk about the garden. And so God shows up and Adam's hiding. What does shame cause us to do? It always calls us to hide. And so here's Adam hiding behind a tree, behind a fig leaf, so God doesn't see his parts his shame but God still shows up and I, I want you to look at what happens and so so the Lord says where are you now how many know that he wasn't saying he where are you because God didn't know no it's because Adam didn't know Adam thought he knew something now that he had tasted the fruit, but guess what? That just opened up a whole can of worms. It opened up a whole can of shame. And so now Adam has this perspective that he was never intended to have. So the Lord says, where are you? And Adam says, I was hiding. I was ashamed. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I was exposed. And it says this in verse 31, and this is the gospel, right? So the Lord made clothing from animal skin. God, how did he get animal skin? He sacrificed an animal and gives Adam in place of his temporary covering that may last for a little while. How many know that your, your cover-up will only last for a little while? But when God covers you, it's a permanent covering. So God says, I will make a sacrifice and I will cover your shame, Adam. You don't have to walk around naked and vulnerable anymore. I'll cover your shame. And he was speaking of Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. This is what, he, what he's speaking of here. So God covers his shame. Did you know that God wants to cover your shame? He doesn't want you walking around with that shame anymore. He wants to cover it. This is the gospel. See, we think of the gospel as innocence and guilt, Right? I did something, I'm guilty, I want to be made innocent. And that's true. That's what we get out of the gospel. We're guilty, and in fact, if you can't admit that you're guilty, then God can't deem you as innocent. But if you could go before God and you can say, God, I am filthy, I'm a rotten sinner, I need you, God will say, guess what? Jesus is the sacrifice. He will cover your guilt, and he will cover your shame that is associated to that guilt. But typically in the Western world, in American Christianity, in the West, we think in, in this context of guilty and innocent. And it's a very real reality. But one thing that we don't think about very much is shame. We don't think about this thing called honor and shame. I've been reading this book. David Jarzebek told me about it a couple weeks ago. I've been reading it, and it's blowing my mind. Because 80% of the world don't think like Americans think. See, we live in what's called an individualistic society. You might even call it a innocence and guilt society. So most of the things that we look at, we go, hmm, guilty or innocent. And everything, every choice that I make impacts me. I don't really think of the fallout. I don't think about the shame that it brings my community. 
So what we do is we run around, we go, well, I think it's okay to do this, and I think it's okay to do that, and I'll just have my convictions over here, and I'll behave like this way, not thinking about the way it impacts myself, only about myself. I don't think about the way it's going to impact my family. I don't think about the way it's going to impact my church. I don't think about the way it's going to impact the kingdom of God. I just think, well, I just want to do, and I feel good about it, and this is, these are my personal convictions. And that's what I want to do. And that's a very American way. I mean, we're built on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's good. I think those are great things. It's great to have those personal freedoms. However, if we want to experience honor, then we've got to start looking at things a little bit differently and stop being so individualistic in our framework. So you have this collective framework, mindset, world mindset, which most of the world is in, this this collective, and then you have individualistic, like we are in the West, right? Eastern versus Western. Again, 80% of the world thinks like this. And the the difference, one of the differences is this. You have a guilt-innocent culture. So most of our doctrine, what do we talk about in the cross? We talk about we're guilty. We need God to make us innocent. That's how we look at the gospel. And for most people, that's where it ends. But listen, the gospel is more than just the, the, the guilty made innocent, but bringing honor to the shameful. And so if all we ever do is when we look at this scripture that was given to us by God through an American lens or through a Western lens or through an individualistic lens, then we'll miss this beautiful picture that God has given us. We'll miss this whole idea of honor. That God doesn't just look at you. And so you know what we do? This is what we do in the West. We like to dishonor people. Right? Based upon our individual perspective. Not collectively. Listen, You must understand that the scripture was written to a group of people, a group identity. And we are, listen, we are caught up, especially as conservative Christians, right? Americans and our conservatism. We are all about like my choices and my freedoms and my liberties. And we don't care how it impacts our culture. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about a worldview that views everything as individualistic and not things as communal, like we talked about last week as family. How does this impact culture, my choices, the way that I live, the way that I speak? Well, I'm just going to get on social media, and I'm just going to vent. I'm just going to get on social media and be a soundboard for all the things that I'm against. And you know what ends up happening on social media? Our hearts revealed. And so people just get on and they complain about everything that they're upset about. And how much good does it do? None. It just makes us more angry. And so the gospel is not just about the guilty made innocent, but bringing honor uh, to the shameful. Now, get this. Jesus experiences incredible amount of shame on the cross. Does he not? The Son of God, the perfect one, dying like a criminal publicly, publicly exposed. Most believe he was on the cross naked. Public shame and humility, humiliation. Why? Because he wants to bring honor to people. So the gospel is not just, just a guilty. Both, both are right. And it's not that individualistic mindsets are entirely wrong. They're not because we've got to be, be individually responsible to bring a collective honor. But it's important when we read the scripture. You know, you look at something like genealogies, right? 
What do you do when you read genealogies in Scripture? Genealogies, so-and-so begets, so-and-so, so-and-so begets. I can't even tell you the names. Why? Because I do exactly what you do when I read them. I skip them. I read the first name, and I read the bottom one, and I don't think about anything. But, but Eastern mindsets don't look at that. You know what they do? They go, oh, God, thank you for that person. And I thank you for the life that they lived in, and then they read the next verse. Because, it, because bringing a collective mindset to these people, that I'm not just saying, how does it apply to me? And we're really bad about reading Scripture like that, right? Well, how does, this is my life verse, right? And I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But listen, the Bible is... The Bible is not about you. It's not, a, it's not written about you. It's about God and God's people, his collective people. And you've got to stop reading a scripture about like, oh, God, just speak to me today. God, what are you speaking to your people? Do you see how much more prophetic that is? Come on. All right. So it's important that when we read the scriptures that we honor the scriptures in the way that they're written. Am I doing all right, David? I mean, this, this, this book that we read, I would highly encourage it. It's called, it's, it's called Ministering in an Honor and Shame Culture. I would just encourage you to stop thinking so much like a Westerner because the Bible wasn't written that way, okay? And just, I just want to help you in that. You're a Westerner, you're American, you want to bring, come on, you want, you want to bring to that culture. That ideology is not necessarily bad in and of itself, but you've got to broaden your worldview. Are you tracking? Okay. So listen, one of the reasons why honor is so important is because of a value that we'll talk about next week, which is power, is that honor cultivates an atmosphere for miracles. Now you look, you hear about all these miracles all over the world. Do you know where they're happening? In honor cultures, collectivistic cultures. In America, we're like, I just need a miracle. I just need a miracle. And we're like contending and fasting and praying. It's like, we see one miracle, it's crazy. But did you know that in other parts of the world, they happen on a regular basis? And I can tell you this, I think that it has a lot to do with this thing called honor. Check it out. Mark chapter 6. Now, Pastor Emlyn preached from this last fall and did a fantastic job. So I'm going to repeat some of the things that he said. I just stole his notes. I would encourage you this week to go back and listen to week 6 of our Good Good News series. And uh, Pastor Emlyn had some great thoughts there. Some of those will be shared today. It says this in... Mark chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, right? He's Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus is from Nazareth, his hometown. The, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Yeah, so good, Lord. Preach. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then, here it is, they scoffed. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. He talking about his teaching. His teaching is not that great. We know him. We know Jesus. We used to we used to play cars with him out in, in the dirt in the desert. We used to run around. There were no cars, but Jesus was telling us about these things that would come called cars. He's just a carpenter. You're calling him a great teacher. He's just a guy. He's just another guy. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. I mean, he's just, he's family. It's no big deal. He's just Jesus. He's a carpenter. And they were deeply offended. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. They refused. Why were they offended? Because they were familiar 
Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except for in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief. Now, it's interesting that Jesus links their belief system to their honor system. And he couldn't do any miracles. He couldn't do any miracles. He couldn't. Whoa, Jesus couldn't. It says he couldn't. Except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. A few miracles. Those are pretty cool. But he had more. Can I tell you, I think the Lord has more. But I think because we have refused to not just honor him, but honor the communities that we're in. And because we haven't cultivated a culture of honor, I think we see a few miracles. Versus a culture of miracles, which is what we normally see with Jesus. And he was amazed at their unbelief. And Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. See, honor, just like faith, is a currency of the kingdom. We think, oh, faith, just believe and you'll see your miracle. There's this other thing that we see going on here called honor. They honored, then they believed. That word honor, because we say, well, I didn't do anything to dishonor you. Look, 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 look. Honor is the word time. And it means evaluating. Recognizing the value, appreciate, esteem, favorable, or regard. You can look at honor as this. It means you put weight on it. You add something to it. You describe it. You put something, you, you, you value it. You look at that and you go, the market says it's worth $5. I add value to it. I say it's worth $5 million. So to, to, the world may say it's worth five bucks. To me, it's worth $5 million. So when Jesus saw you, to some you might have appeared worthless. But God looked at you and he said, you know what? I'm going to honor them. I'm going to put weight on them. I see them as image bearers. I want them so much. I'm going to put all the weight on them. My glory on them. So we have a culture that says, oh, we can't. No, no, nobody can take the glory. No, No person, give no person honor. Listen, that is a Western mindset. You've got to get out of that. We need to honor one another. We carry the glory of God. God doesn't share the glory of God. Well, God will share his glory with no other. That's right. God will impute it on you. <laughs> he don't share it. He just puts it on you. He don't have to give anything away. He's got enough to go around. Come on. So God puts his glory on people. The, the word dishonor means this. Now, this, is, this will really help you. Dishonor means to treat as common or ordinary. Did you know that when you treat someone just ordinarily or normally, you've dishonored them? So honor requires intentionality. It requires it. Honor requires intentionality. You can't say you've honored unless you've done something. Unless you've said something. Now, this thing that Jesus was dealing with, I want, I, want, I want to revisit this. This thing called familiarity. What does that start up with? Fam. See, it's easy to become familiar with fam. It's easy to become familiar with family. And we look at that as a strength. We're just so familiar. We just love one another. Careful. 
Because many times in the context, and this is exactly what they were doing with Jesus, many times in the context of family, it's, it's difficult to honor. And so we get sarcastic. Come on, we get rude. We don't give grace to our family. Is it, is it not true that we're less gracious with our family than we are to strangers? Why? Because we've grown familiar. Familiarity can de debilitate our ability to honor. And so I've known, you know, I've known pastors because in their desire to be honored, which I think is not a bad desire. We look at the whole, oh, they shouldn't want to be honored. There's nothing wrong with it. You should want them to be honored because if there's honor, a culture of honor, then there's a culture of miracles. So there actually is something for you by honoring someone else. This is very individualistic thinking. But I've, I've heard pastors say this before. You need to separate yourself from your people. <laughs> and I was like, well, what he was talking about is that as a pastor, he had experienced when he got close to people that people put him in the friend zone or the fam zone and they quit, being, they quit allowing him to be their pastor. Now, for me, I'm willing to risk that because if you don't let me be your pastor, then that's on you, not on me. I'm going to be in your world, but I'm going to be your pastor. And if you can't handle the friend thing, the fam thing, then, then we'll see how that works out. Because I don't, I don't do you, listen, I don't do you any good as your pastor to allow you to walk in dishonor. That doesn't do you any good. I love you too much for that. So in the context of family, it can be tricky, right? We got to work at it, right? So we say, well, I just won't do anything bad, but that's not honor. Honor is a proactive thing. It's not an avoiding thing. So we honor God, right? We, we all want to honor the Lord. So how do, how do we honor God? Let's talk about this real quick. First of all, we honor God with our worship. We know that. We've done that today, right? There's some scriptures here for you to look up later. We honor God with our priorities, right? We look at the Ten Commandments. First four, all about honoring God. Don't put any other idols before me. Don't put anything before me. Keep the Sabbath, all these things, right? Don't misuse my name. Careful with that one. And that doesn't just mean saying GD, that means like you say Jesus, like it's a cuss word. You've just used the Lord's name in vain. You've also used the name Lord's name in vain when you said you're a Christian and you didn't act like one. Okay? Honor. You want to bring honor to the term. What we, this is what we do in America. We say, well, I don't even want to call them Christians anymore. Why would you want to do that? That's a very individualistic thing. What you want to say is I want to redeem that word. So I'm going to live like a Christian should live. Do you see how this is collective contribution? We honor God with our finances. So when you get your paycheck, you honor the Lord with the first fruits, what we call the tithe, Proverbs 3, 9. Our bodies, we honor the Lord with our bodies. Right? So we should try to be in shape. But let me tell you this, you should also be sexually pure because in the scripture, it says that, that we honor God in our purity. Are you honoring God with your body? Not just because you go to the gym. Are you honoring God with the purity of your body? How are you using your body? Are we honoring God with our convictions? I'm getting into preaching here. This is how we do it. We honor God with our convictions. We've talked a little bit about that today. How, the, how you live. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't just impact you. It impacts your community. Did you know that when you do something 
out in public, outside of Overflow Church, as someone that's connected to Overflow Church, did you know when you go out and you sin and it's public and people see it, did you know that it doesn't just represent you? Did you know it represents your family? Did you know that it represents your church family? I mean, some of the stuff, some of you people put on Facebook, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm hiding in shame. I'm just being real with you. I'm your pastor. I want you to understand this, that it represents your church. Can I tell you this? It represents the body of Christ. Can I tell you this? It represents Jesus. It represents Jesus, this collective thing. God who said, they're shameful, but I will be associated with them. So now we've got to guard the way that we live our convictions. Listen, I know that's not fun. But this will put a watch on you. For When I came to the Lord in 93, I said, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. I'm, I'm representing a kingdom. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to be different. I've got to honor the Lord. I mean, what if somebody doesn't serve the Lord because of the image I portrayed of Jesus? Okay. And the, the, the last way is this is our honor to others. Our honor to others. One of the ways that you honor the Lord is by honoring others. See, people matter to God, so they should matter to us. We should put the value on people that God values on people. See, we're not called, we're not called royalty so we can walk around and act like, oh, look at me, I'm a child of God. <laughs> Give me a Cadillac. You know what I'm saying? We're not called royalty for those reasons. Listen, the reason why God ordains you and anoints you as royalty is so you can bring out the value in others. Not just so you can walk around and be all high and mighty. That's not humility. That's not honor. That's self-exaltation. And the word says that if we exalt ourselves that the Lord will humble us. <laughs> I don't want to be there. I want to exalt the Lord. So how do we honor? Well, first of all, we honor up. We honor up. That means we honor civil leaders. We honor our government. Even the government we didn't vote for. Some of y'all were praying for the president three months ago, but you're not now. Dishonor. I don't care who the president is. I don't care. I don't care what his policies are. He's in that position. Honor. Don't bad talk. Don't post all that garbage. Honor. Well, it's true. Some people are more concerned about speaking the truth in anger than they are in the truth in love. And we've got to get to the point, beloved, where we start being responsible for the way that we handle this thing called love. Our military, our police, all these. Romans 13, read it. Check this out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Peter says this. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. We're like, yeah, we like that. Then he says this, honor the king. Now, when we see king here, we're like, okay, honor the king. That's important. I bet he's a pretty honorable guy. No, no, no. This, this is a character named Nero who was ruling at this time. And Nero was, was categorized uh, by, by debauchery and violence. He, he caused his own mother to be killed. Many considered him the Antichrist. Many thought Nero was the Antichrist. And Peter is writing to the church and he's like, listen, guys, honor the king. Honor him. And I'm sure that they were feeling just like you are. Maybe six months ago, maybe right now. <sighs> They're unhonorable. 
I mean, here is a guy that's way more wicked than any president you've ever seen in America. Way more. And he says, honor them. Here is a guy that ends up killing Peter, the guy that wrote this. It was at his orders that he would be martyred. The blood was on his hands, and Peter says, knowing that that could happen, Peter says, honor him. Honor the man that will kill me. Honor the man who has been killing Christians. Honor him. And I don't see anything in the writings of the apostles calling for a rebellion or calling for an over, overthrowing. No, no, no. The only thing that we see in the scriptures about the kings is, is first of all, is this, is that we honor them and then to pray that we can endure and represent Christ faithfully. This is what they said. They weren't trying to get out of it. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. They were saying, honor the king. We're advancing the gospel. We have one agenda. We have one allegiance. And it's to Jesus. And that means honoring the king. So, honor up civil leaders, social leaders, bosses, teachers, coaches. Some of you complain about your boss all the time. Honor your boss. He'll never give me a raise. He's so mean. He's such a dictator. Paying me five forty-five an hour. Isn't that what you agreed to? Didn't you agree to that job to be paid that amount? Probably. Did he give you a lower instead of a raise? Probably not. And you grumble and complain. You wonder why God's not promoting you there. Honor up. Coaches, you know, I, I've taught my, when, when Judah was playing soccer, I said, listen, you don't, you don't call your coach bro. You don't call him man. You call him coach. That's his title. You honor that man. He's given of his time. He's not getting paid. You honor him. He's not your bro. Don't, don't call your teacher Bro. Right? Even if you're older than them, if you go and you take a class at the community college, don't say, call your teacher, hey, bro, hey, bro, can you teach me? He's not your bro. He's your teacher. Why don't you honor him? Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe the reason why you're not learning, maybe the reason why you're not growing is because you're not honoring up. Home leadership. Listen, don't allow your kids to disrespect you. Teach your kids to honor their parents because if they're not honoring their parents, they're living in sin. And I'm not going to let my kids like watch pornography. I'm not going to allow them to, to, to do drugs or have premarital sex at my house. I'm not going to allow them to do that at my house. Why? Because those things are sinful. Guess what else is sinful? Dishonoring their parents. So I'm not going to allow my kids to live in sin. So when they dishonor their mom, They're going to hear about it and probably feel about it. Because I want to teach them the value of honor. And our, our older kids, our little ones are still learning, but our older kids are very respectful to people. And it makes me so, so proud of them as a dad because they're learning the benefits of living honorably. Because did you know that the only commandment in the Ten Commandments that has a promise is the one that says honor your parents for, so your days will be long. Some, some of you dishonor your parents, your days are going to be short. 
I'm not kidding. You can do this on short days. I'll make sure of it. Right? Ten more days. And it's all over. But they'll have a full life. This is what we see in Scripture. We see that they're sowing the seeds for 20 years from now. And I want their kids to honor them. Church leaders, kingdom leaders. There's a bunch of scriptures there you can look up. What are we talking about there? Those that are ahead of, not those that are better than us, but those that are ahead of us. So you honor people that have been in the faith for 20 years and you've been in it for 10 months. You don't call them bro, bro. This drives me up the wall. So if you call me bro, just know that I'm like cringing on the inside. I don't like it. I'm your pastor. I'm not your bro. I'm your brother in the Lord. Yes. Okay, bro. All right. Those that are ahead of us, we honor them. Listen, when somebody's up here, whether it's me or Pastor Emlyn or Pastor Leslie or Pastor Brooke, whoever it is, whoever is up here preaching, Pastor Joshua, whoever, you know what you should do when they're preaching? You should pay attention. You're honoring them. Guess what else you should do? You should take notes because they've been taking notes all week. They've been like taking notes for like 6, 10, 15, 20 hours. And you're sitting there for 30 minutes. You could just take some notes. Write some things down. Pay attention. Don't be talking to the person sitting next to you the whole time saying, well, obviously you shouldn't have said that. Just listen. We'll do that later. Eat the fish later. Spit out the bones. Just do it. Don't be defensive. Right? When the pastor calls you, because you haven't been to church in three weeks. He's like, hey, what's going on? Everything okay? Yeah, 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 we've been. A, don't get defensive. All, listen, I guarantee if you receive, receive a phone call from us or a text from us or something like that, it's always down to love. We hope they're doing okay. We're not mad because you're not in church. So, again, those genealogies, man, that's important. Let's move on. I don't, I've already stayed there too long. All right, so honor up. Number two, honor down. Did you know that everyone Jesus honored was down? Everybody was down that Jesus honored. Everyone was down. Jesus always honored down. So Jesus honors the shameful. Think about who Jesus hung out with. Prostitutes, tax collectors. He's eating at their house. People that are known sinners. Jesus is spending a lot of time with them. Now, he didn't spend most of his time with them, and some people have gotten that wrong. Jesus spent most of his time with his disciples and three disciples at that. So, but Jesus spent a lot of time, a significant time with shameful people. Lepers? He's touching lepers. That's a shameful thing to do. Samaritans, prostitutes, the religious, eating at religious people's house. What are you thinking, Jesus? Jesus is bringing honor to the shamed. They didn't earn or deserve the honor they were getting. They didn't, they didn't deserve Jesus. This is why they didn't believe Jesus, because they were so caught up in this dishonor thing. Listen, following Jesus means that we honor people that don't deserve it. They don't deserve my honor. They haven't earned my respect. First of all, what makes your respect so expensive? Listen, you, 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 don't, you know why people are to be honored? Because they're made in the image of God. Every person has an imprint of the glory of God on their life. And you might not be able to find anything else in their life to be honored except for that. Then focus on that. Focus on the beauty that Jesus sees in them. So when we talk about honoring down, sometimes we're talking about maybe those we oversee. Maybe you're 
at a leadership position at your job. Maybe you are a coach. Maybe you're, you're a teacher. Or maybe someone is serving you at a restaurant after church today. Honor them. I, I had a guy one time. I hope we don't listen to this. He said, I will never give a waiter more than I give God. He's talking about 10%, you know. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I won't tip, tip more than 10%. I thought, how dishonorable. You know that person make like two, I mean, you're tithing off your, your gross, right? Not your bill. Listen, beloved, I don't care how bad the service is. You're representing you when you tip. Come on. Come on. 20% needs to be your floor. Okay? He said, well, I'm not going to pay. I don't want to pay that. I'm going to pay them. Then don't go out and eat. <laughs> Bring some honor. Come on. Um, you know, the waiter, um, people that are working at Walmart, the cashier. You know, sometimes you just need to bypass. I love self-checkout because I can get in and out and I don't have to deal with anybody. Am I the only one? But sometimes I need to wait in that line just so I can make that person's day better, just so I can honor them and say, thank you for working today. Do you do that? Or are you just like, y'all are busy today. I couldn't find the Clorox wipes. Right? Whatever it is. I'm so dirty. This store's like, what are you doing? Come on, bring the life that you have. Honor speaks to value. See, we don't... We don't honor people based upon their status. We base them upon their value. Remember Jesus, the woman caught in adultery? Everybody's ready to stone her. Now, listen, Jesus didn't leave her in her sin. Jesus said, go and sin no more. Other words, you're not living at the value that you are. Come on. But Jesus is like, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm here to bring life. And so he, he, what he does is he levels the playing field because they've got rocks. They're ready to, like, smash this woman. And so Jesus goes, all of you are dishonorable. What does he say? Those without sin cast the first stone. And they were all like, oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. We honor people because they're valuable and made in the image of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, just verse 3, says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, that individualistic thing, right? or vain conceit, rather, and humbly, in humility, value others above yourself. Not even value others as yourself. Value others above yourself. Esteem them. Honor them. Especially those, or I would say also those that are down. Those that are serving us those that are working for us. If, if you do something stupid, I know because I'm, I'm kind of like a guy that, has, that manages people and I have to bring correction sometimes and sometimes I just say things. I had to do this this morning. I had to go to an individual and say, sorry yesterday for saying it like that. And I'm doing that all the time. It's not because I'm perfect at honoring people. It's because I want to get better. So when I screw up, I'm going to eat my words. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, listen, I'm sorry for saying it that way. It was uncool. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uncool, right? And so I'm doing the honorable thing and honoring down and saying, listen, I just want to, you to know that I thought about that and it didn't sit well with me when I said it. Some of you just need to learn to apologize. 
Now listen, don't don't apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't don't do that. Don't be insecure. But when you when you do something stupid, which you're probably gonna do, then then go and apologize for it. So honor up, honor down. Number three, honor all around. Y'all okay today? Okay, honor all around. That's your family, your coworkers, your friends. Love each other with genuine affection. Romans 12:10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Honor all around. See, honor doesn't always look the same, does it? You don't honor a police officer the same way that you you honor your son or your daughter. You honor them, but it looks a little different, right? And so just learning that, hey, I'm honoring all around in all the context. It looks a little bit different everywhere. You know, honoring your parents when you're 30 looks a lot different than when you're eight, right? Now you can actually disobey them <laughs> in an honorable way. If they're doing some, you know, if they're saying, giving you some, some bad things, and just what are you doing? You're looking for the glory of God in them. You're honoring all around. Okay. So everybody, up, down, all around. So again, it's not, listen, there's not a credential. What, what do they need to do to get honor? They don't have to do anything. God already did something. He made them. And that makes them God's creation, and you can honor them. So how do we honor others? First of all, with our words. I'm going to rush through this. You ready? With our words. Appreciation. Thank you for working today. Man, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Encouragement. Hey, just want to let you know I'm thinking about you today. That was really funny what you said. I don't know. Whatever it is. Just by being life-giving. Following through. You say you're going to do something, do it. Right? That's honoring somebody. You're saying, my words are also important, so I'm going to honor my words that I spoke. Speaking well of those people. When they're there and when they're not there. Speaking well. Not being critical or cynical, right? Listen, criticism and cynicism will rob you from the ability to honor. It'll rob you. And listen, I love sarcasm. It's like one of my love languages. But we need to, listen, we got to be careful, beloved. Because you don't know how that person's feeling. Some of you are just, I'm just like, do they, do they not know timing? This passive-aggressive thing. This is what sarcastic people usually do. They're usually angry. I was going to use another word. They're usually angry all the time. And so what they do is they're just sarcastic at everything. And you know what they're doing? They're saying, these are things I don't like, so I'm saying it in a subtle way. And so when I correct you, you go, oh, I'm just joking. Zip your lip, beloved. Sometimes it's the, the, re the refraining from words words. So belittling. You know, one thing that I learned when I was youth pastoring that really disturbed me, and it still disturbs me, and I'm real cautious of it now, is that when I was a youth pastor and young and in my 20s in ministry, everybody that was older than me didn't honor me. <clears throat> and so they would say things like, one of these days when you get older, one of these days when you have kids, one of these days when you've been in ministry, one of these days when you're a pastor, all this kind of like belittling thing. Listen, don't do that. You want to honor down. Listen, when, when, when a teenager comes to you and struggle, you don't, don't say something stupid like, one of these days you'll have real struggles. Do you remember how hard it was when you were a teenager? It was so hard. And it, your issues were real. Don't belittle people's struggle. Don't, don't belittle their inexperience. One of these days when you've been in the Lord, you'll be bitter too. They don't say it, but they're acting like it. How many of y'all seen that before? And so just make sure that you're not, you're not belittling people based upon any of those things. So, and let me say this, talking about a person never brings resolve, but talking to them can. So honor speaks, listen, honor speaks to the one who brings it. 
Are you an honorable person? Yes, I'm an honorable person. Do you bring honor? Because that's, that, that's what defines it. It speaks of you. See, I'm never going to allow, I'm never going to allow the way that you conduct yourself to conduct me. See, your conduct won't dictate my kingdom etiquette. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like a son of God. I'm going to bring the honor of, of King Jesus. I'm going to represent his honor well, even if you treat me poorly. Because my choices aren't dictated by yours. So I'm going to be careful and put a zip on my lip when I need to. And I'm going to speak life, even when I don't see any life. Number two is action. Your actions. We honor with our words. We honor with our actions. Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we, will, we want to live honorably in everything that we do. What's he saying? Pray that things will go easier today. No, he's saying pray that we live honorably. Pray. Pray for us that we live honorably. Listen, love the person in front of you. Slow down. One thing that uh, uh, Noah went with us to Haiti, and he said, you know, one of the things with Americans is they don't make eye contact. He's like, in Haiti, everybody will keep looking at you. And I thought, man, how true. I'm guilty of that. Like, I look at people, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, oh, they see me look at them. Right? Just look at them. They're made in the image of God. Right? Not to feel awkward about it. And then we get all defensive if somebody's looking at us. What are you looking at? You got a problem, bro? Right? A little weird. Listen, don't call me bro. I see the, I see the image of God in you, and I don't want to take it out, so don't call me bro again, right? Don't call me hun or sugar or any of that. No, 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 no pet names. I have a name. I have a name. Parents gave it to me. Kind of like it. So let's just stay with that, okay? Okay, appreciate it. And don't make fun of me about that either because that's not honorable. Okay. I'm just saying. Don't react to tension. Listen, disagreement and tension is actually an opportunity to express honor. Because if there's never, if it's all happy, yeah, yeah, all the time, then there's really no opportunity to honor. I would say this, that tension is where honor is tested. Tension is where honor is tested. So when there's a struggle there, when it's uncomfortable, when it's difficult, whenever you don't want to honor, honor. Honor anyway. Honor up, down, all around, right? So words, actions, and number three is attitude. I'm hurrying. Is attitude. Honor starts in the heart. Honor starts in the heart. This is what uh, Jesus actually quotes in scripture. He says that, that they, from Isaiah, it says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Remember that? They honor me with their lips. So when we talk about honoring somebody, we're not talking about flattery. Come on, we're talking about honor. Because I've seen people do this before. I've seen them honor someone to their face and gossip behind their back. That's not honor. That's gossip. And that's a form of dishonor. And someone comes up to you and they say, hey, dude, is, is everything okay? I feel like we have a problem. And you lie to them to save face. Guess what you've just done? You've dishonored them. You did not. In your attempt to honor them and make them feel comfortable, guess what you just did? You dishonored them. And then you went and told somebody about it. So guess what you did then? You gossiped. <laughs> so let's be graceful and grace-filled in our approach. You know, sometimes we just need to have enough grace to give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't we? Why are we so critical? And, you know, just, 
I, I found that if I could just believe the best in people, I might be disappointed a little bit. But you know what? I'm going to be a lot more happy than I'm just like, everybody's evil and wicked and mean, and everybody's out to get me, and they're probably not even a real Christian. They probably just want money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, there are people that live their lives like that. They're just accusation, accusation, accusation all the time. I'm like, I don't see that in the life of Jesus. And Jesus is in front of people that are sinning blatantly in front of people, and he's going, hey, I want to bring some honor to your life. So how do we nurture an honoring spirit? Real quick, number one, repent from withholding honor. Because withholding honor is dishonor. So change your thinking. We say repent, we don't mean just come up to an altar and cry. I mean, like, stop thinking that way. What if they're vile? Pray for creative ways to honor them. What if they're not honorable? Then look for the glory of God in their life, wherever it is. Just Maybe it's just one little thing that they do well and honor that. Number two, resolve. Resolve that you're responsible for the honor you bring. You're responsible. They're not responsible. You're responsible. Number three, relinquish agendas. In other words, don't be manipulative. Don't manipulate people, right, with your honor or your dishonor. Because sometimes we treat it like a currency. Well, I'll honor you if. Mm -mm. You can go ahead and honor them. Number four, reconcile your differences with conversations. Did you know one of the most honorable things that you can do is when you have differences with a person and you're willing to say, you know what? There's tension here and we need to resolve it. It's one of the most honorable things that you can do. Number five, respond with a blessing. Respond to the blessing. Bring words. Bring actions. Bring a note. Write a note. Hey, I just want to let you know it really ministered to me the other day when you did that. Just little things. Just respond with blessings. There's this guy. I'm going to finish up with this story today. There's this guy in the Old Testament named Mephibosheth. He is the grandson of Saul. You guys remember Saul, right? Saul who was chasing David to kill David down. David's whole life, he was being shamed by Saul. For most of his life, before David took the throne, most of his life he was being shamed by Saul. And all David wanted to do was bring honor to Saul. And so Saul has a brother named Jonathan. And Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. It's hard to say. That's the reason why you haven't heard it that much. Because preachers are struggling with that word. So when King Saul and Jonathan die in battle, a nurse grabs Mephibosheth when he's five years old and takes him to another to hiding, to exile, to hide, because they're afraid that they're going to take out the whole family of Saul. And so what happens is when she's carrying him, she stumbles and he falls and it breaks his legs and he spends the rest of his life lame. And so here's this young man that's dealing with his life. He's dealing with brokenness. He's, 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 he's full. His mind is messed up because he's, he feels like an orphan, and he feels like someone's been after him his whole life. He doesn't have a dad. His grandpa's gone. His family's been shamed because Saul and made all these bad choices. So he's dealing with these, this physical issue of being crippled. So he probably spends his days begging for money. He is an, he is an outcast of society. He is shamed social and economic issues. He ends up in this town called Lodeba. (laughs) So low. He's in Lodeba, right? Which means pasture or something like that. Like he's just, he's a mess. So when David's the king, he says, I remember that covenant I made with my brother, Jonathan. Is there something I could do 
to show Jonathan's family some honor. And listen, remember, Jonathan's family were after David. They weren't happy about David. Jonathan was, but he was the only one. And he says, I would love to show some kindness to somebody from Jonathan's family, from Saul's family. He says, is there anybody left? And some of his servants came to him and they said, David, they said, the only person we know about is this crippled man named Mephibosheth. And he's crippled. He's kind of shameful. And David says, bring him here. Bring him to the king's table. And you got to understand something. In, in shame and uh, honor cultures, that having someone sitting at a table with you is a sign of honor. Eat, sharing a meal, bringing them to your table. How much more for the king to bring a crippled man to the table? So they bring Mephibosheth in, and he comes in, and guess what he does? He gets his feet, he gets his lameness covered, he gets his shame covered by the table of fellowship as he fellowships with the king. And listen, the king of glory has made room for you at his table to cover your shame. And listen, beloved, he will use us as the body of Christ to cover the shame of those that are broken, those that are lame, those that are those that are those that have jacked up mindsets and socially broken. And, and David chooses in that moment to honor down. And I love that it's a picture of Jesus that he says, you know what? You're lame. Literally lame. But I want to cover your brokenness. I want to cover your brokenness with the table of fellowship. Isn't that good? He just wants to cover it. And it, there's, a, there's a verse about Mephibosheth, and it says this in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 12. It says, from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. 